1: NY or text Hope NY in New York.
2: This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hot route!
1: Red 7! Red 7! Red 7! John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will
2: you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This
0: is it! The man who got us
2: here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do
1: you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bop halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. yeah!
2: Oh. That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. The ball. Get me the ball.
0: Are
1: you going to get me the ball? Oh, i get
0: you the ball! get you the, the ball!
1: ball! Not you I not kill somebody.
2: Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and
1: losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. It's a party.
2: It's a party. It's
0: a party. Welcome into episode 147 of Eleven Personnel. I'm Nick Rouse, joined by Adam Lucket, where uh, it feels like it's I just was we were just doing this. Um, but that was actually a little Kentucky roll call. So if you want to hear two more hours of us yammering all about random stuff. Steve Spurrier, Full Fulmer, all the other people around the SEC. Hey, go check out that podcast too. Did a little uh, double dipping this week.
2: We did a Tuesday podcast, uh, Kentucky Roll Call, 1450, 961. Here we go. Home of Trevor Kelsey. So yeah, I'll check check that out if you haven't uh, heard it yet. We that was a fun little show we had, Nick. Uh, not all football talk either. We got into some other stuff. Right. I um, had some good talk about the SEC. So, and pulled some. Out of our you-know-what, too, I think. Um, some good names there. So, fun day there. And now it's time to uh, get back to our regular scheduled programming here at 11 Personnel. And we had a couple – we had some uh, commitment news while we were gone, Nick. Uh, Zion again. Childress, Tommy Zeismer, both happened pretty fast. there Friday, Saturday, back-to-back. Double-dip. We had a double-dip commitment. Again. So, for moving forward, a week after we talked about things being slow on the recruiting trail yeah, so that's just yeah. sometimes
0: yeah it was as soon as we mentioned it's almost like we needed to bring it up just to draw some attention to it you know so credit to us for helping Kentucky gain some momentum but it, it was funny uh my typical KRC co-host TJ Walker was kept asking me so you hear anything about that Zion Childress visit you hear anything about that Zion Childress visit it was like three days in a row I was like I hear it went well kind of joking that every visit you always get heard, it goes well. Uh, and then I got a tip about an hour before he ultimately popped that Childress was going to commit to Kentucky. I think between the two, it's safe to say, he's certainly going to make the quickest impact on the Cats. The Texas State transfer will arrive on campus for the 2022 campaign. The The easy takeaway you can have from Childress's commitment is, Hey, he 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 fills up a hole that was left by Vito Tisdale. That one is glaring and obvious. But I think what's most significant about this addition is that this kid is pretty new to the position. Yet he's played a lot of defense. Uh, he was a high school quarterback who did some throwing and passing, but accounted for you know over three thousand passing yards in his career, and 2,000 rushing yards in his senior season. And as Stoops put it, as a quarterback, he has a a different and adept knowledge of defenses because he's looked at them from the other side of the ball. So he kind of knows the right spaces that quarterbacks are looking for. So as far as a versatile player that they need to fill a spot of need right away, he doesn't check the typical boxes of a Stoops transfer, but there's a lot to like about the addition of Zion Childress.
2: Yeah, for me, it's more of they just plug those here, right? Like now at every position of the secondary, they have depth. At corner, you've got Carrington Valentine, Kedron Smith, Andrew Phillips, Jordan Robinson. Um, so four guys for two spots there in the secondary. At safety, at one safety spot, you've got Tyrell Asian backing him up. You've got Todd Dotson At the other safety spot, you've got Jalen Geiger backing him up as Jordan Lovett. They're adding um, two quality recruits this summer with Kobe Albert and Alex Safari. We're not really sure what position they're going to play yet, um, but it's now they're at a point where they don't have to play those guys. I think before the addition of Childress, they were going to have to play one of them. So now they're, they're just in a position where they've raised the floor. I think I still think there's questions about the ceiling, Nick. I mean, like we just need to be honest about this outside. If you take out Joe Williams, there's not a top 500 recruit in the secondary that's going to play next year. Huh? There's not one on the roster until Kobe Albert and Alex Safari arrive next month in June. It just is what it is. Uh, yeah. This is a low. This is kind of a low ceiling position, right? Just getting bodies, getting depth, and creating competition and finding um, some good players. They've gotten out of their or they got out of their comfort zone to get Childress and Jordan Robinson. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really mark their short sample size track record here in the transfer portal era um, that, that tells us that they, they have a hole there and they, they needed to be filled like they could not go with what they had into the season. When we all left the Tennessee game last November, we all knew they have to get some bodies here What they entered 2021 season with they could not same thing could not happen in 2022 the injury bug bit and so they've got some guys they don't have like there's not a Kelvin Joseph or a Brandon Eccles I think in this group I'm not sure there's a draftable player right now in this group um, but they have raised the floor um, and they've gotten to they've a weakness I think you would say I don't think it's going to be a strength of the team but they've strengthened a weakness and Zion Childress and Keedron Smith both um, bring some positional versatility in that they could play multiple spots so say something goes wrong Somebody underperforms, or somebody gets injured, they can move Childress to a traditional safety spot. They can move Keytr Smith down inside the nickel. Um, so you got you got multiple answers to multiple tests now. Okay, in case something happens, I'm not sure how what how good a play they can get in the secondary, but at least uh, they've got more bullets in their chamber now in case something goes wrong or something doesn't happen according to plan.
0: I am. Uh... I am perplexed a little bit. I know Vito Tisdale would have added another top 500 guy to the secondary right. without his injury. But it is curious that, you know, Stoops is a secondary guy. He coached Ed Reed. I mean, you, you would just think that the, the expertise and also the, the fact that Kentucky has produced – NFL defensive players I mean they had three I mean I guess Edwards wasn't technically a starter but let's just count him as one. Well. they had three NFL starters in the secondary last year you would think that they'd be recruiting that position a little bit better
2: yeah the tra- I mean we had some transfers here like MJ Devonshire should be a starter on this team that was a that was a significant recruiting win right
1: mm-hmm. so that
2: that happens um, you would just have to kind of dig in here what happened like Joe Williams you were expecting a lot out of him you know I was on record saying he had the best tape I thought I saw in the 2020 class. For some reason it just hasn't worked, you know. So, and then you kind of got to dig into who they miss on the recruiting trail. But if you go and look, there were some probably significant misses, and then that makes starts to make more sense. It's oh, they targeted this guy, didn't get any. Um Davis sitting, was maybe the one that jumps out the most. That was the guy who yeah. played a lot in Ole Miss's spring game. He is going to play for Ole Miss this year, a significant role. And so there's probably more guys like that. Um, And Andrew Wilson-Lamp, who went to West Virginia, I don't believe class of 2021, that was a guy they liked out of Ohio. He commits to West Virginia early and sticks with that commitment. So there's guys – you know, I I think Wilson-Lamp actually fell out of the top 500 in the on three consensus. But it just – I think what I'm really trying to point out is here that this is a year-over-year problem, like they have. Kind of didn't take advantage of the 2018 right. success on the recruiting It kind of played out in that secondary. Um, and you, you add in the turnover, the coaching, and that this is kind of in. And I think they've done a good job, like i said, strengthening a weakness. Um, I don't think anybody's going to believe the secondary is going to be a strategy to the Kentucky football team this fall. Uh, but you need to be better than what was last year. You need some more ball production. Um, Adrian Smith, Zion Childress both kind of provided that. I think that was big versatility. So I think they've gotten better here, but I still think the bar is not very high for the secondary, like you're looking for here coming into the next season.
0: No, it's not. But I think if you, if you did look at the, uh, if you wanted to take an optimistic take on it, it's, it, it the defense doesn't need it to be a strength in order to have success. This fall, um, you're not exactly going to plug every hole, but just need some pass breakups. Yeah, well, and and, and going for the ball some, like Cedric Dort, How you can play a whole season without a damn pass breakup? It's astonishing. Like just just go after the ball, go get it a little bit, be overly aggressive, um, and and also be overly aggressive in your pass rush. You know, and I and I think with some. At least a little bit of experience at safety, a ton of experienced linebackers and stuff. Maybe White can get a little bit more frisky, a little more aggressive in there um, with some of those guys. But a lot of it, you got to have big years from JJ Weaver and Jordan Wright because yeah,
2: that that comes down to. And then someone in that twenty twenty class, the defensive line, creating a, a consistent pass rush. Yeah. I, I feel pretty good about that group fitting the run. But they need somebody to merge as an interior rusher to not be Josh Pascal, but fill some of that loss right. production as an interior rusher.
0: Yeah. And, you know, in previous years, it's come from unexpected places. Like Calvin Taylor was leading the SEC and sacks at the end of the regular season back in 2019. Uh, so maybe Ox is one of those guys. Ribka showed a little bit when filling in for Pascal, but he's got to get his body right. So, jury uh, is certainly still out, uh, but Kentucky, you know, you mentioned Josh Pascoe. that that takes us kind of to Tommy Ziesmer where that's been a lot of the – Yeah, it's easy comp. Yeah, yeah, bigger guy who we saw camp with Kentucky last year from Boyle County, an outstanding football program uh, that Justin Haddock's is really – we all knew it. Uh, Chuck Smith made it a power. And I don't want to say, that. I mean, but they they dipped ever so slightly. Haddix comes over, the former Breathitt County cornerback who took Corbin to a state championship game and has now won back-to-back state titles. Ziesmer was one of those guys, though, uh, Luckett, that, you know, we kind of briefly mentioned what does the what, what does Kentucky actually think about this group of in-state talent? And I thought they were going to hold out on a lot of these guys until they took a second look at them at camps over the summer, but apparently they didn't need one for Zisma. I, I I don't know if, uh you know, you wanted some, some more good news to Powell on top of the odd Chris Rodriguez uh, Friday afternoon news. Uh, but I, I was surprised. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because like I said, he comes from a good program and ha- has a lot of upside, but I, I wasn't sure, so sure that Kentucky was going to, uh, take a commitment from, from Zizmer at this top.
2: It definitely had the the kind of feel of he got the green light and he didn't wait.
0: Oh especially uh, looking at that graphic. It wasn't the typical
2: I mean he could UK not football wait, graphic. <laughs> wait. Yeah. He could not wait <laughs> to get in there. Um so yeah interesting little timing on that. Like what 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 intel did they get here late or what what happened to make it the green light? Right what happened here? The season ended December, early December for Zizmer.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's May. You've had a long time to kind of look at his tape, evaluate the other options on your board. So what happened? Like that—that's obviously something we'll probably never know, but mm-hmm. curious to wonder about. You turn on Zizmer's tape, uh, Nick. There, you. There's size concerns, right? He's 6'1", 242. Yeah. That is small for the position he's going to play. He's got, he's going to add weight, but he's probably going to get it to 270. And that's going to be about it. So he's going to be a little bit on the smaller side. Now he's got really long arms. I've heard up to 6'8, six, 6'9 six, wingspan. We don't, I don't know. Right. They do show up on tape. Um, so that is there. It's obviously a size concern. But this dude plays hard as hell. He there he forklifts offensive linemen at the point of attack. There's weight room videos he's putting out, or he's already benching three thirty. Um, I think he's power cleaning in the three hundreds. So like you're not, I don't think there's much about work ethic and mm-hmm. playing hard. He's comes from a good program, um, so he's gonna be pretty close to his ceiling, I would imagine.
0: Good culture fit, you right? Know? Yeah.
2: And this, the scheme fit makes sense in Kentucky's 3-4 front playing like Pascal. He has some Pascal straights where he's got, you know, quick twitch, sh- short area quickness where he can shoot gaps. And then he has value as an interior rusher, I think,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: because of that quickness. Um, and that length is going to help, would help a lot as a pass rusher. So there's a lot to like about him, I think, from that standpoint. He's a guy who's not going to play right away. He needs a redshirt year. But there is a lot to like about him as a prospect. Um, I'll get why they were maybe a little shy because there is maybe some ceiling questions with him. Um, But to me, he's a safe bet to come in here and be at least a solid player for you, Um, a solid scholarship player where he's contributing on your defensive line because he plays with power, because he can get skinny, um, get through creases, and because he's an obvious, I think, scheme fit for that 3-4. Um, versatile de- defensive end, they like to use um, whether he's he's taking tackles as a four-hour or five technique in, on rundowns and then passing downs, he can slide inside, play some three-tech and provide hopefully some interior rush.
0: And speaking of the program, that's uh, back-to-back years, somebody from Boyle County, uh, they got a commitment from Jackson Smith, brought on a walk-on, uh, Cole Lanner that caught a touchdown in the spring game. Um, and they've also been recruiting Dakota Patterson, or Patterson, who transferred from Corbin to be with his his old coach. Uh, he was once a kind of top twenty recruit, but uh, had some health stuff happen last year, so lost a lot of weight. He, if he he could turn it back on and end up becoming, yeah, the a big
2: senior. People are going to jump on him, yeah. Um, but there's not a lot of Power Five interest. It seems like surrounding him at the moment.
0: Right, right. So but th- this could be – this will be a big year for him at Boyle County. But good that Kentucky is kind of uh, circling the wagons around there, though, because that's Neil Brown's alma mater. He recruits that place hard. I think his first uh, – Yeah, that's – From Boyle County. Uh,
2: Yes. um, Receiver Reese.
0: Reese something.
2: Smith, maybe. Not Smith. I know where it's a I Reese, though. And it's not Tommy
0: I, Reese. Uh, it's Reese. His yeah. first name's Reese. Yeah, yeah.
2: Someone's listening to this is yelling at us right now. <laughs> in their car, yeah. Um, so, that's – but the, uh, not only that, like, that that's a recruiting battle we're seeing a lot here. Yep. You know, the Cameron Calhoun thing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Depends on what side you're on, right? Right, right. Kamari Burns, who's one of the, their bigger edge targets in this class um, out of the Columbus suburbs, Through the visits, official visits, he's announced in June. Virginia and Kentucky, and then I think Penn State one in there. I mean, there's a few other targets that both these schools are in on. And so this – along with Cincinnati, uh, these two schools seem like the programs that are butting heads quite frequently here in the class of 23. So it's just something to the monitor as, as the calendar moves forward and the summer develops and targets yeah. get added to your board, removed from your board, and vice versa. Yeah, whatever. and we,
0: we alluded to it last week uh, or discussed it uh, about Kentucky being quiet. We still don't have a ton of official visits on the board for those camps uh, next month, June 5th and June 12th. Uh, but I, I think the way things are shaking out, especially with this the 2024 recruiting board, you wrote about it this week. Uh, we are getting a better idea of what quarterbacks they're targeting. Who shows up to camp is going to be significant because it feels That's like it. It, Right. It feels like Kentucky is in a good spot with Dante Reno, who's also being recruited heavily by South Carolina. He's got interest from a lot of big time programs. There's a lot of Kentucky connections. The twins from Somerset uh, play with him uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there was a Liam Cohen connection there, and sc- Liam Cohen and Scott Woodward connection. Uh, that one, I feel like Kentucky could get a nice end. It's important to get him on campus. If not, they did offer Danny O'Neal from Indianapolis Cathedral last week. He feels like he's going to end up being a bramer maker though uh, at Purdue. They they offered him early. Uh, he's been there quite a bit. That that guy's on the board. And then uh, Lloyd Carr's kid, CJ Carr, talked about grandson. Uh, yeah, grandson. Excuse me. Yeah, couldn't be his kid. kid kid's fifty years old probably. Um, but he he mentioned that Ford and Kentucky are in contention to get visits from him, but. Uh, as you talked about on uh, KRC on Tuesday, like it's all about can you get them on campus for a visit? Because that's where that that's where things can really progress quickly. That's where
2: the magic happens, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: that that shows interest both sides, and you that's how you really start amping up uh, relationship building um, for these quarterbacks. And like we talked about, this time is now. That's when you put the work in for the quarter twenty twenty four quarterbacks, like. The team that Elaine committed months ahead, it's all this summer is when it all happens. Um, you get in contact with them when they're sophomores. You build the relationship. You get them on campus. You keep building it. And then you head into the season. You should head into September with a good idea, where you stand at quarterback, who are your two or three, four realistic options there. So for Kentucky in the class of 2024, we're just seeing some names emerge. I think the C.J. Carr development, like, Nick, they're not going to get C.J. Carr, right? That mm-hmm. kid's going somewhere else, probably. But the fact that they've able that they've been able to get in that mix, that they've made some headway there, I think that's a good sign. Specifically on probably Rich Scangarello, um, that he's at least making some positive moves there. Well, in QB recruiting, which is going to be his of job outside of calling plates on
0: Saturday. And, and in addition to it, it also shows that they're they're using some of that Will Levis. Offseason season NFL draft hype to their advantage. Yeah, no uh, doubt. No, 100%. Yeah. Um, and that, 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 that's important because Kentucky has not started a high school recruited quarterback since Drew Barker back in 2016 against Southern Miss. <laughs> so it's been a while. Uh, it'd be nice to get one on board and not lean so heavily on the transfer board because Kentucky's had success with transfers. It's mostly been to keep the boat afloat. Uh, for the most part, with, with Terry Wilson and Steven Johnson, you got a difference maker in Mo Levis, but a lot of times you're going to be rolling the dice. And if you can get one of these kids out of high school, it, uh, you know, I hate to keep using that term, that raising the floor or whatever, but it it, it adds. It just helps your other recruiting efforts, though. I mean, that's that too, the one yeah. thing
2: with getting high school quarterbacks. Right, like, yeah. you know, you're going to have a boom and bust right there, but it, it builds momentum and helps you recruit other positions when you get get those guys
0: in the barn. See, Willowville, and Pierce Clarkson. So,
2: like, we need to, like, the season's gonna end on Thanksgiving, Saturday. And Kentucky's gonna go to the portal. Like, the starter, more than likely, next year, is gonna be a portal quarterback. (laughs) If Levis has a year people think we're gonna have, or thinks he's gonna have, Kentucky's gonna have their pick of the litter in the portal. That's just, I think that's almost you consider that a fact almost they're going to have plenty of options in the portal and that they're going to have a guy there, but eventually you can't do that forever. Cause what happens if you have a down year, or you don't just keep coming up. Right. You hit peaks and valleys. You got to hit on the high school guy. And so I think, but what this, I think what this era does is the transfer portal era is it should raise uh, your cutoff for targets in high school just be signing a quarterback just to sign a quarterback. I think in the past you had, you had to at least get one guy in there each class. Now you don't really have to do that. Um, You can, you can target high level prospects, take your swings at them. And I think that's what they're trying to do with Carr potentially. And then Reno's obviously up there. And I think we might see a name or two more here emerge Mm -hmm. for the next couple of weeks. Um, But that's really, Oh, they, they kind, kind of did of it with Malachi Nelson,
0: or, <laughs> you know? Malachi
2: Nelson, yeah, he's another. And he – Chris Vecino was also like that. He was in that kind of area because he blew up last year. They were in on him a little early, but he started to blow up. And he's, at, he's committed to Clemson. He's a top prospect in the class of 2023 right now. It's uh, kind of the situation you're going to be in. Like your swings with some guys and then go from – you have the portal as an option. Um and so that we're kind of at it. June month is important. Because after June, who really are the guys uh, that they're potentially going to go after, who's on their board and who's realistic. And a lot of that action will be determined at, at, at the camps, and we'll get to see a few of them while we're there in
0: attendance. Ah, it'll be here before you know it. Uh, we need to discuss some rankings, uh, a couple rankings, as a matter of fact, right after this.
2: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Look at the annual CBS sports rankings are out of the power five head coaches. And I love it because Mark Stoops continuing to climb the ladder up to number 16 after coming in at number 22 last year. One spot behind our, fr- our old pal, James Franklin, but, uh, only behind national championship winners in the Southeastern Conference. Nick Saban, number one. Kirby Smart, number two. Jimbo Fisher, number five. Next man up, Mark Stoops. Brian Kelly, number seven. Oh, yeah. I guess technically so, he isn't in College football play. Runner. or Well,
2: Jimbo hadn't been to the playoff. So you can't say that either. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he snuck in there. Little yeah. Irishman.
0: And I just always forget he's there, too, because it's so. It's just so weird. It's going to take me a long time to get used to that, you know? Yeah, no You doubt. went from like, the most Louisiana guy ever to the least Louisiana guy ever.
2: They play Florida State Labor Day Sunday in the Dome. And seeing him hit, I think, a lot of people. Like, Ryan Kelly's really the LSU head coach
0: coach. Which, by the way, what the hell is ABC doing putting all their chips in on Mike Norvell? The amount of games that disney is banking on for state to be relevant Especially you gotta show the, you gotta show some acc games but man that uh giving them the black friday time slot like ugh, it could get ugly i i think
2: that i think that could be a potentially so I, I don't hate that a good rivalry game there on black friday
0: I, I don't nice. hate it either, uh, but just do the egg bowl. I guess they're doing Thanksgiving yeah. now instead of Black Friday, so that's good. But I guess you could see a world where there are two seven and four teams. One's going to be seven and five. One's going to be eight and four. Or both hard. five
2: and six playing for a bowl game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that'd be pretty fun. Like, well, is there any? Um, were there any significant takeaways you had from the coach rankings? I'm not going to lie. I was scrolling through trying to find the biggest droppers. But the fact of the matter is, is most of the big time droppers just get fired. So the, 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 you can't rank them anymore. But uh, Mel Tucker jumped 33 spots. Sam Pittman jumped 28. Those were a few, I think, notable leaps. Um, and I, we mentioned him earlier, Neil Brown. He's slid 11 spots down. Uh, big
2: year for Neil Brown.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they just-
2: open up with Pitt in the backyard brawl. Big, big year for Neil Brown. Um yeah. For me, Nick, like, I am a big Dave Aranda fan. I've been on the Dave Aranda train for a long time.
0: So you got you and Saban to become buddies. Yes. But he went up uh, 51 spots. <laughs> also, the fact that they ranked him, like, dead last. I know he, I get it. He was a 1st had a bad, coach. Had
2: a bad first year, but, it was, yeah. Uh, but that is – that's kind of absurd. Like, he did a great job, but he won the – he won the Big Twelve.
0: Okay. Yeah. And be, uh, and be Gundy I, on like a, a walk-off basically.
2: Yeah. He's a top 20 coach. Like, and if I had to start a program, oh, he's at the top of my list, but that is, that's crazy. <laughs> recency bias hash hashtag recency bias. Um,
0: Our boy Shane than, Beamer jumped up 24 spots. He, he was uh, dead last I'm, year before. I, but, you,
2: you knew that was coming. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. 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 But, um,
2: one thing that stuck out here, Nick, is like there's two guys Stoops has beaten here recently, Penn State and Iowa, when Kentucky was underdogs. Or no, underdog Penn State, they were favored against Iowa. Um, but they were unranked against Iowa. Um, so that obviously I thought overall it's just at the level it's just it's been a long, since the end of last year. Um, you're seeing it play out in the win total, you're seeing it play out in rankings like this. Um, when the AP Top 25 is released later this summer, you should see it play out. Kentucky should be ranked preseason for the first time since 1978 when when that poll hits this summer.
0: First time since 1978? Jeez. Whoo! Man. That's that's a fun number to, to play around with. Uh,
2: and I believe Kentucky may have been on probation
0: that year. And yeah, yeah. So I don't the, think the
2: ranking stuck because they were on probation.
0: Yeah, because seventy-seven was the big. That was the Peach Bowl team, and then they got put on probation following the off season. Won ten games, went ten and one, but couldn't go to a to a postseason game because of that probation. Right. Uh, that I think that was back when uh, not Derek Ramsey, but um, Sonny Collins was wearing fur coats and driving convertibles and stuff. Um, Glory years. Yeah. Yeah, times are a little bit different. Uh, Freddie had a great post about it, talking about the differences between his playing days and Will Levis's. Uh, Especially the $25 a weekend to eat. I just love that thought. Granted, you could get a big meal for five bucks back in the day, but those dudes were crushing that in a night. Um, Funny stuff if you haven't checked it out. Um, I'd also encourage you, by the time this comes out, I think it'll be out, uh, over the summer, I'm going to be doing a retrospective type series, uh, looking back on a decade of Mark Stoops. This will be his 10th season this fall. All he needs is two wins to become to have the most wins all time as a Kentucky head coach. So looking back, could do it, on, could
2: do it against Florida.
0: Yeah, which would be monumentous. Um, so that that's. It's kind of fun to look back to how things have changed over time, and I'm starting with the ten most influential people of the Stoops era. A mix of players, coaches, Joe Kraft, and Mitch Barnhart are in there. I put them one in the same, though. I can't I can't write that much about some admins, uh, which I know Joe Kraft is an administrator, but come on, I mean, you know, he's a big deal. But I started with McGinnis at ten, and then round out a top ten with Vince Merrow coming in, the big dog is number one because I really can't see – like, you can't imagine one without the other, you know?
2: He – um well, just the amount of players Merrow has pulled in here and then being able to not only, like, get, the, get their reputation built in Ohio, um, but now, like, in-state, they're getting mostly every guy they want here that they lose they They lose their fair share, right? Don't get everybody um, hitting targets and Merrill is a big reason why um, you kind of dig back a few years ago uh, when that insta- when they made that change, the in-state prospects were like, why isn't Merrill recruiting us? Um, and so that, that, that changed. And you've seen them kind of own the state since then. And now they're entering this season with 20, I think if they're up to like right around 20 scholarship players, from the state of Kentucky. So just from talent acquisition standpoint, which is half of this job, it's getting players into your program. Uh, Mer- Merrill's had a huge say in the success for Snoops.
0: N- not only... In and that's the- why he's paid the way he is. Right, right. And not, not only has Vince established that recruiting pipeline for Kentucky football as the big dog, but he's also been the big dog. You know Mark Stoops is not exactly the most flashy guy around but his blue-collar mentality folks appreciate but we also we we need a, we need a hype man. We need somebody to get us excited and Vince Merrill has been the PT Barnum, the right-hand man for Mark Stoops. Uh he he's talking trash to Louisville. He's he he's firing shots the, off of uh, Mel Tucker. Popular campus. There's he no is. He is. And he feels like one of us too. I think that's why people really appreciate Vince Marrow. Is you would not be too shy to walk up to him and, and and ask him if he if you can buy him a beer at the bar, you know, and and he might ask for a fruity drink instead or just turn you down. But but Vince Marrow has really been the people's coach of the Kentucky football program, and, and that's I I don't think you can overstate his significance to creating that connection between fans and the Kentucky football program. Right now, it feels like there's a, a chasm between fans of the Kentucky basketball program. Vince Merrill is a big reason why Kentucky fans are so drawn to Mark Stoops' football program. And not only that, too, he's brought in some of the best players to ever play here. Benny Snell, Lynn Bowden, who are also on this list. Uh, Wondell Robinson. Benny, yeah, Robinson. Yeah, Wondell Robinson. I have Benny number three on there because Benny, he was Kentucky's, The first cool player Stoops had. Yes. And, and like, with Cal, John Wall made it instantly cool. It took a little bit longer, but Stoops' rebuild did not come with a quarterback. And that's usually your quickest way to to a rebuild, right? It's uh, Charlie Strong had Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Bobby had Lamar. Like, you know, that's that's your quick fix. Stoops has been able to do this without that, but he got Benny Snell. And, and and that – I mean, that story Drake Jackson had of Benny coming in, they're eating like wings somewhere, and Benny's like, no, I'm playing and starting this year. And they're like, dude, you're crazy. That was the kind of crazy – that was the kind of swagger this program needed. And he, he left in the most dramatic way possible, too, to cap off a, a, an historic career in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, no,
2: he, he ties in also with another guy on your list, Eddie grand, um, just a philosophy change. Um, now, you get down the road, and it really kind of hurt them. And then that's when they went and got another guy on your list. Um, but if they don't – like that offense that change in 2016, Mark Stoops is not it's here anymore. Done,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Really on this list, there's, there's five guys. So half the list. And it's all related to that 2016 year. They kind of established everything that started their, really their kind of their winning culture uh, where they're going to be built from the inside out. We're going to have an offensive line. Our offensive line is going to lead the team. We're going to recruit really well on the offensive line, and we're going to run the ball. We're going to be committed to running the ball. We're going to be committed to getting tough yards. We're committed to running it when the other team knows we're running it. I mean, that's really kind of been the basis of their team. So Schlarman builds up the offensive line. They they have a revelation in Benny Snell as a three-star true freshman running back. Eddie Grand totally kind of of reinvents himself twice at Kentucky in 2016 and then in 2019 in the kind of the offense um, they're running. And then Steven Johnson, at quarterback, provides like the unexpected toughness for the team that no one really saw coming. Um, And then Austin McGinnis, uh, the clutch playmaking he provided, uh, big wins that – at periods where the games probably could have gone either way if you miss his kicks against Mississippi State and Louisville. So the two biggest wins of the year, he had uh, he had his fingerprints distinctly on. Them. And it really kind of set for him. Um, and really that's when everything started to flip uh, for them. Because that's when Louisville started their nosedive. And they tried, they started to figure out who they were as a program and what they needed to succeed and how they needed to operate. I mean, ever since then, it, they just been they keep climbing, climbing the ladder. And I think the 2016 season was really huge in all of that. I mean, it set the tone for that. Um, and I think for the specifically like Stoops, I think Todd Hill, right? This is how we operate, and this is how we're going to win here.
0: Well, and and if you, when looking back at that time, the 2015 team, they were I think four and one in, in getting votes. He made, in, into the top he 25. made a bad office coordinator hire. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. And yeah. then
0: and then things kind of unraveled. They couldn't pick up that easy win at Vanderbilt because they got stumped on a trick play. You know, that that, that was the like, okay, is, is Stoops really cut out for the job? Because in those 50 50 type games, they didn't know how to win. They didn't have that established culture. Um to win games where the margin of error is so so incredibly thin. And, and that year really helped them get over that hump. Now you got a little bit more of a margin of error, uh, but I think, well, like you're 16 and two stat against Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. That's going back to 16, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you, I mean, you can even go into 2015. Well, it's 18 and three in 2015 because they beat South Carolina, Missouri in 15. Yeah. So I mean, like that, and, and that's and that's how you move up the ladder is you start beating those teams consistently and a lot of those games have been 50 50 games you know i had some guy on my radio who's talking about a lot of those south carolina games i mean kentucky turned it over three was minus three in the turnover battle on the road and still won at south carolina last year because they knew they were the better team and they grinded yeah, that, out a win because they have established that that, that baseline that right. that identity as a program, and it all yeah, goes that's back why, to those guys early on back in 15 and 16
2: that's why i wasn't really worried um about the turnover issues early because Missouri and South Carolina were both close, names, but Kentucky was 14 to 17 points better. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for those turnovers. Right. And so, um, yeah, they just learned how to win and now they're doing it in different ways. Um, Liam Cohen talked about this a lot, just kind of the, the culture of winning. They know how to practice. They know how to, you know, they know how to act in games, how, you know, not to get too high, not to get too low, how to grind. I, mean, I think that that all showed up, and that all started 2016. I mean, you look what Schlarman built on the offensive line. Yeah. It's continuing. Um, now we still have to see what kind of recruiter Yenzer is going to be, um, but that, that's built for long success, obviously. Uh, they've in the offensive line has led to great running back success, and we've seen Snell have the great years. Bowden went off for a crazy year. Chris Rodriguez could set, set another program record for rushing. And so all of it started right there. And then I think the other big one, uh, one guy you didn't have on this list.
0: But yeah, I, I wanted to I hear my omission. That I, I, I'm, I'm curious. But, I, I mean, there was a place for him when I'm looking at this. Um,
2: but Brad White kind of coming in here. Getting Josh out to break through as a senior. And then if you look at SP+, which is kind of a weighted advanced stat metric that's, that Bill Connolly puts together. Kentucky didn't have a top forty defense the whole Stoops era. I'd arrived in 2018, and they've had a top 40 defense ever since. Like we were frustrated with last year's defense, but that defense also won them the South Carolina and Florida games early in the year, mm-hmm. and then the injury bug bit. But they have a baseline level now with White, where they're not way down. They're middle of the pack in the SEC now, um, and that's a good place to be. You're going to win a lot of games if you can if you can be at that point. And that's why this year's so exciting because if that offense can level up and get to like a top 10 offense that with a top 30, defense. it's a group that's going to be in position to win a lot of games. And then when you look at the schedule, how it breaks down, you know, you're only going to be at once a significant dog in one game this year, Nick. Yeah. Um, and then that's you're going to be a heavy favorite in about five games. And then you're going to a pretty good favorite against South Carolina, Missouri, probably around a touchdown. And then you're going to have, you know toss-up games mixed in there and then you're probably going to be about a four or five that's as of right now dog to tennessee so you're looking at heavy favorite six potentially dog one and then gray area in between and if you've got a team that's top 10 in offense potentially top 35 defense
0: should be in good shape
2: (laughs) and that's why you're seeing the win total at eight and a half
0: yeah 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 even though i'm a little um the, that that one didn't have any pushes available, so I think that's why they bumped it up. Uh, so you know, I'm a little skeptical of that yeah. one. But if, it, if it's eight, I feel good about the over. I
2: feel yeah. good about this team getting eight and four. So you're getting your money back. And if it, they're not, they're going nine and three before they're going seven or five.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's why when it actually you know hits draft teams, uh, in, that I, I mean, can make a – as long
2: as you avoid injury, big injury bug. But yeah,
0: right, right. But if I, I I'm gonna wait. My hope is that it's eight on DraftKings because that's the normal app that I use over in Indiana. Um, I'll play that one. If it's eight and a half, I don't think I'll touch it because then there's just there's the emotional uh, you know strings that are attached to it as well, and I don't want to get burned. I've done pretty well with these season win total bets, and uh, don't want this to be the year that I jinx it or something like that. All because it's high, so um, I'll be careful if it gets up to eight and a half. Uh, instead of eight. One, one thing we didn't touch on that we should briefly before we get out of here, Um because there for a moment, it looked like things were going to be awful, but the whole Friday afternoon that Chris Rodriguez had, it was a freaking roller coaster, all because an attorney got the date wrong on the calendar and didn't show up to his court date. <laughs> there for a moment, they were like it. I was, at Florida game, it was looking a little worrisome. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I I, I. I, I to to you know not to downplay the severity of chris's actions uh for, uh for 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 the DUI that he did on the night he graduated like obviously that's dumb don't drink and drive you're putting others in dangers you shouldn't but right now that's uh, to put a to let, football, the, let the cake bake on that yeah and that's probably uh you know one game suspension maybe in the long run it's what gets Chris dialed in. To, to reach the goals he wants. But, yes, let the cake bake. But if it was if you were going to be adding more stuff on top of that, a failure to appear, that's when you get into, like, some serious, okay, is something going on with Chris here? Like, what's the deal here with it? Then you could have some serious concerns, a lengthier potential suspension. And if you just look at that Florida game on paper, I know that it's first-year head coach in his second game, uh, like we said, coming off that Utah game. But Benny Sell had 170 rushing yards when they won down there, and Kentucky averaged seven yards a carry. You know, like to win on the road in an environment like that, and what will be a very big game in the swamp, you've got to be able to control the ball to, to keep and especially on the ground, just to keep that defense honest and also kind of keep that crowd quiet. R- removing Chris from the equation right there, that that ooh, uh, d- d- oh. don't don't want to think about that. Don't don't want to play that scenario out.
2: When you look at Florida's personnel, um, they've got two edge guys that they feel pretty good about that are probably going to be draft picks. but um, And then they got one defensive tackle, Gervon Dexter, who's pretty good. But there's huge depth concerns on the defensive line. And so run defense might be an issue for that team uh, going into that game. So that's just something to keep in mind. And Chris Rodriguez, if you go, he didn't really get a lot of reps because they couldn't convert third downs last year against Florida, but he had a very good game. Against Florida last year, Crokeville. Phil. So we just all we need to let that play out and see where it plays. Um, there's been instances before where players have gotten into US and they've not been suspended for a game under stoops. So I would not be surprised if he's running mm-hmm. with the ones against Miami, Ohio on Labor Day Saturday. So we'll just because there's plenty of time to punish them or whatever you need to do in house. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, however you handle that as an organization. Because um, I mean to say. We're still 100 and some days away from the game even starting.
0: I I would not want Corey Edmond in charge of punishing me. Yeah. That that dude.
2: You you know, uh, uh, there's steps outside uh, (laughs) the practice field that they put in specifically for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you all don't know Coach Ed, his daughter Lee Edmond, all-time great volleyball player at UK, he's the bald, scary guy on the sideline. That is calm during the games. He's got his shades on usually. Yeah, Arms cross. But Mark man. Hill's
2: usually the one getting hyped up on the sideline during the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Coach Ed he plays are cool coach. during the games, but when it's running time, who? There ain't nobody scarier. Hell, I just there was a couple of years back like it where I did like a summer interview with both of them, and you know, in an interview, you kind of want to, you want it to be on your terms. So you know, I'm trying to ask questions, and then when they start just going and going, I was like, "Oh my god, these are you're talking about some alpha dogs!" Like I, <laughs> 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 woo, way yeah. over my head there. <laughs> yeah, street coach is a it's
2: a different breed. Oh man, all right, personality, Mark, get,
0: no doubt. We've uh, we've done a lot of ball, but it's a big weekend for the PGA. <laughs> I need to get some picks. I already, I, I've already penciled in betting on Jordan Spieth this weekend, uh, playing not too far from his home turf. He's been good this year, won a tournament a few weeks back, came in second last week. Uh, I, I'm, I know I'm betting Jordan Spieth in this one. Who else should I be should should I be throwing some coin down on? I need some winners. Yeah, Jordan Spieth going for the career slam. The PGA Championship is the one he has not
2: brought home yet. Um, but when you look at course we haven't played here nick at southern hills in tulsa since 07 in that tournament there were only like four guys that broke under par um, tiger was one of them he won at eight under he had a i think it was plus one on thursday then he had 69 63 69 to win the tournament um, when you look at this course it's very long um, there's only two par fives they're both over 600 yards there's seven par fours between 450 and 500 yards. Um, in the fairway, um, there's undulations in the grass. so Whether it's hills or whatnot, it makes it tough to get a lie. And then the greens are small and they're elevated. So if you miss the green, uh, your ball's running off and you're in a bunker and you're having to get up. It's pretty tough to get up and down. So it's going to be as nice open like PGA Championship. Like scoring is going to be very difficult here. Um, I think they're even calling for wins in the forecast, which is going to make it even rough. So really – so really what you what you need here is guys who gain strokes off the tee um, and also can gain strokes approaching. Like Spieth has gotten a lot better off the tee, Nick. Um, so for him, like a year or two ago, he would not have even been on the board here, but he's on the board this week. Like that's, that's a bet that you could potentially talk yourself into. He's top 30 in both strokes gain off the tee and strokes gain approach. He's 33rd in driving distance. So he's really improved that. So and he's playing hot. Um, for me, like more Colin was obviously the natural pick here. Won the PGA in 2020. Won the British Open last year. Eighth in approach, tenth um, T-D Green with the PGA pedigree. He's ranked third in the world. Um, the guy who I'm picking to win is Will Thoris. Better odds. Morikawa all 28 to one. He's performed really well, well, well at majors here uh, recently. He was he, Consecutive finishes second and sixth at the Masters. He was T8 in the Pay two years ago. He had a top ten at the U.S. Open. He's first in approach and eleventh off the tee. Twenty-eight to one to win. Um, it's a guy I really like. So we, really, when you're looking at um, some metrics, that's really what you're looking for. Um, so I think Morikawa, Thomas, Rom, Spieth are all obviously your popular plays because they can do that. Um, obviously, but if you're looking for more, like, long shots, um, like, Mito Pereira is a guy from Chile. He's ranked 100th in the world. Um, he's 13th in approach, 30th off the tee. Um, he's made six to seven cuts. He's had three top 20s. So, a guy like him, you could get, get pretty good odds for, like, a top 20 bet on him. Uh, a top 40 bet, I've locked him in at plus 110. So, if you're getting that already at plus 40, that those odds are only going to increase.
0: Um, what what so was his
2: name again? Mito Pereira. P e r, e i
0: r a. Okay. Okay.
2: So he's he's had pretty strong form here. Guys, you want to stay away from or some like Shane Lowry was second, I believe, in the Masters. He's played really well this year. He's a really good approach, but he just doesn't get off the tee very well. And so those guys, they just they, you're kind of out of it if you can't get off the tee here. Um, and so that's really what you're kind of looking for a combination of that. Typically, this tournament, you know, we've had had some long shots come out of the woodwork, but the way this course is set up, it's uh, horses for courses. So the big guys are going to play well here, and so that's really what you're what what you're looking for. Um, and then maybe you're trying to find value with some guys who maybe can bomb it off the tee later if you're looking for a, a long shot or a make cut bet or someone sneaky matchups to play.
0: Speaking of horses for courses, we also got the Preakness this weekend. ridge Strike. More like chicken strike, too scared to go up to Baltimore to race at Pimlico. So no triple crown winner this year. Won't be won't be as eventful. is such a big favorite. I think it's the best three year old of all of the three year olds. But I would like to see Secret Oath, the Kentucky Oaks Philly, be the sixth Philly to to bring home the black eyed Susan. So
2: is it lame that the the are running?
0: Yeah. I mean I totally got. Lame. It's very lame. But the thing was, dude, when the trainer the day after said, like, I normally don't do this. I almost never do this. I'm going to try it anyway. I was like, this is so a running. And, and also, like, let's be real. They got the perfect – everything happened perfectly for wrist strike to win the Derby. If not, that's Epicenter's race.
2: Yeah. Win, sound know? like the plan was maybe to have a good finish at the Derby and then rest and yeah. try to go win the Belmont. Yeah, they, and I mean – They messed around and got a triple-double at the –
0: Exactly. Well, and, and that was the um like you didn't even like Larry Colmas didn't even say Rich Strike's name until the, it got to the 16th pole and took the lead. Well, they're taking that final sixteenth out. So, like, even if it ran a great race in a smaller field, it's not going as far. So, it's just gonna be right. harder to play catch up. So, uh, it's not a race that I'm gonna bet heavily on. Yeah, it seems like, like
2: epicenters. What is he like? four to five or something six ridiculous. to five.
0: Yeah. yeah. And he'll end it's up his being, race to win. Yeah. It'll end up being a four to five, three to five kind of deal. I wouldn't be like simplification ran fourth. You're going to get some good odds on it. And that's a, that's a horse that likes to be kind of up front. I could, I could see that horse coming in if it still has some gas in the tank from the Derby and early voting's early speed, but it's going to get all, it's going to get a ton of money too. So it, it's just, this is going to be a hard race to, to win, win some money on, but it just stinks that the Triple Crown I know. is totally taken away. And, and you know what? Whoever out there is like, they need to move back to basis of all the horses. Get your chicken shit out of here, okay? It'd be one thing if we were still 50 years removed from a firm. But by God, we had two horses win the Triple Crown in the last 10 years. Less than that. Get, get out of here with that nonsense. Oh, we need more time. The horse ain't good enough to win the Triple Crown. Shouldn't be running the damn race, okay? It's just a fact of the matter. Sometimes you, you, American pharaohs and justifies don't grow in trees. And that's the way it should be. I don't want to hear any of this whining from people. it's just too hard. You know, with just a quick turnaround. You know what? It's once in a lifetime opportunity. It's very rare that it happens. Relish it when it can. We're not changing it. If, I, I swear, if we keep up with this bull crap, I'm going to lose my damn mind like it. Ugh. That's why I don't like if he, I
2: don't know. I guess I don't get it. Uh, if he loses the Preakness, do you have to run him in the Belmont? Like, what's the difference between running him in the Preakness if they just think they have a better chance to win?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. A bigger
2: it, difference in
0: purse. It, it, yeah, and there's not a significant difference in purse, but it's basically they don't think their horse is good enough to win this race. <laughs> like, that that's why. Yeah, pretty out. much we know we caught lightning in a bottle. Well, in, in, like, Country House, when it won, when it beat Maximum Security by DQ, like, they were like, oh, God, let's retire to stud. While it's the highest, you don't want to take a horse's value. And if he runs too quick, then he can't run again.
2: Yeah. Maybe that's what they're considering too. They know he can finish well at the Belmont. So maybe that'll.
1: Yeah. And 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 you know what
0: it, the way the schedule is the summer schedule, like you can get a month off, run the Belmont, get a month off, run the Travers, get a month off, run, you know, Haskell, Like, like there, there's much more time in between the bigger stakes. So, so it like, it makes sense. It's just, not a lot of people are be watching NBC on Saturday, and I don't. I don't think those folks are too happy. I get it. It just, it just takes a lot of luster off it. It's what some in the biz would call
2: hashtag soft.
0: Yeah, yeah, we would, we would. Uh, well, I can enjoy the sports weekend. Uh, enjoy weekend. Joe Joe Buck uh, providing a little commentary. Mm-hmm. ESPN. They're putting him to work early, which I appreciate, even though it's kind of weird hearing Joe Buck call. Yeah, it's,
2: it's nice awesome. weekend. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, PGA championship, Creekness action on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Solid, solid sports weekend here. And then when enjoy it, because it's going to get here soon.
1: Yeah.
0: It's going to be We're about a
2: hundred days out from week zero. So let the countdown yeah. begin.
0: Yeah. hundred days from tomorrow. So, right. uh, and then a hundred days till the Kentucky football season is May 26. Yes. I already know that, um, uh, uh, hell, we, we need to have a live pod breaking down all the game kickoff times in the first three weeks of the year. <laughs> we
1: playing oh. out our
0: Saturdays already. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, for Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Thanks for listening. Go Cats and go Kroger.